The following message is part of the preaching ministry of Berlin Baptist Church in Sally, South Carolina. We pray God's richest blessings for you as you study His Word. Okay, let's uh, turn in our Bibles to the book of Galatians. We're going to be in chapter 3 today. And as you're turning there, let me just say a word of introduction. Have you ever heard a statement like this? There's a lot of paths to God. You know, we all, you know, we all kind of believe in the same God. There's a lot of what, different ways to get there. Just, we're, all, you know, we're all headed the same direction, ultimately. We just you know, have different ways of expressing it. Anybody ever heard anything like that? I, I have. More often than I care to admit, I've, I've heard... People with different perspectives about belief, about spirituality, um, about God or who they call God. For example, here here might be the uh, maybe the most frequent misunderstanding. Well, you know, uh, Christians, Muslims, you know, we're, we're all we're all worshiping the same God. Call him God or call him Allah or you know, it's just all the same God. Um, no. No. There's one God. There's one God and there's a lot of uh, imposters. And many of those imposters are creations of man and, and man's intellect and maybe man's desire to say, I, I don't agree with this part of your holy book and so I'm going to start my own direction, my own religion. There's one God and there's one mediator between God and man and His name is Jesus. And that, that's the truth and uh, unfortunately as we would read in Romans chapter 1 sometimes we don't appreciate the truth or we disagree with the truth and so we suppress the truth in our unrighteousness. And So anytime something doesn't sit right with us and what we think, we attempt, and I say we in a very general way, just uh, to, to make this point, we attempt to alter the truth to suit our own desires. Uh, let me just briefly, by way of introduction, read uh, a short just a couple of verses from Paul's letter to Timothy because this particular passage is very dear to me, to my heart, because God used a preacher preaching this passage to call me to ministry over 20 years ago. The last letter that Paul would ever write before he died is his second letter to Timothy. And in 2 Timothy chapter 4, here's what he tells the young preacher. I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by His appearing and by His kingdom, preach the Word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction for the time will come 
when they will not endure sound doctrine. But wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires. And they'll turn away their ears from the truth, and they will turn aside to myths. But you, be sober in all things. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. And fulfill your ministry. Everything in those five verses centers around one command in verse 2. Preach the Word. Don't preach your opinion. Don't preach what you think people want to hear. Preach the Word. Just the Word. The Word of God. And it's never been more important. There's a verse there in between verses 3 and 4 that Paul says to Timothy that the time's coming when people won't endure sound doctrine. They won't put up with it. But they'll have itching ears. And so they'll find somebody that'll tell them what they want to hear. If you're here today and that's what you're looking for, you, I'll give you a minute now. You can go ahead and leave now. Because that's not what I plan to do. And the reason why is because I need the Word of God. And I know that everyone here needs the Word of God. You can take every opinion I have and put it in a bowl and it won't get you anywhere. You can buy anything. But you take God's Word, it will give you everything you need. So the, the central premise about today's message from Galatians is the importance, the necessity of faith. You've got to have faith. You remember the whole uh, reason Paul wrote this letter to these churches in Galatia is because some folks had crept into the church and started telling them something wrong. Saying, no, you don't need just Jesus. You need to do these things too. You have to do these works in order to be truly saved and right with God. And Paul is in the midst of a, an elaborate uh, proof to say, no, when I preached the gospel, when this church began, I didn't stutter and I didn't leave confused about what I was saying. The gospel of Christ is all you need. Jesus Christ is all you need. He's more than enough. And so... We've got to fully wrap our heads around that concept, that principle, to know you, you can do everything you want to do, a list of good deeds from now until your last day on earth, and it will not get you to heaven apart from faith in Christ. That's the only thing that will get us right with God, is faith in Jesus. So I want to read um, the first 14 verses today of chapter 3. And the, the words will be on the screen. You can follow along. You can follow along in your Bible. Here's what Paul was inspired to write by the Holy Spirit to these churches and to us. Verse 1. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified? This is the only thing I want to find out from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? 
Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? So then, does He who provides you with the Spirit and works miracles among you do it by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Even so, Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Therefore, be sure that it is those, of, uh, it is those who are of faith who are sons of Abraham. The Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, All the nations will be blessed in you. So then those who are of faith are blessed with Abraham the believer. For as many as are of the works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law to perform them. Now, that no one is adjusted, uh, adjusted, no one is justified by the law before God is evident. For the righteous man shall live by faith. However, the law is not of faith. On the contrary, he who practices them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. In order that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we would receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you will take this word we've read and that you would give us understanding, help us to be obedient, so that Christ would be glorified. And it's in his name I pray. Amen. Now, this, uh, this text consists of 14 verses, two paragraphs, and in the midst of this, I want you to see a few things. There's, I've got four points to the message today, and those are important, but I, I want you to see pr- particularly how this same theme runs through all 14 verses. How many times Paul says the word faith over and over and over. It's an emphasis in, this, in these two paragraphs. And also, just from the very beginning, in the first three verses, particularly verse 1 and verse 3, I want you to see this word he uses two times. Foolish. He, he say, First he says, you foolish Galatians. And then in verse 3, are you so foolish? So, here's the thing. Why does he use that word? Why does he use that word? You foolish Galatians. Who has bewitched you? In other words, somebody has messed with your mind. How, you know what it means to be foolish? Just in layman's terms, maybe. just I'm going to do something stupid. I have, this is really not a, a good idea. You know, that, that's when, when, oh, that's so foolish. That, that's what it means. So that's what's happening here. You're, you're being foolish, he says, to these folks, these church folks. But why? Why does he call them foolish? And, and here's the, the general definition, the general answer to that question. He calls them foolish because they have the truth in their hands and they cast it aside. Okay, that's the foolish act that he's referring to, is having the true Word of God and choosing to set aside the truth of God for some other nonsense that somebody came along. So here, here's, here's why I want to point that out right out of that gate. Because it, it impacts our evangelism. And evangelism being our task of sharing the truth of God. Sharing the gospel. 
if you want to walk down the Roman road, we talked about that a little bit Wednesday night. If you want to use those passages of Scripture in Romans to just uh, summarize the Gospel, what happened. Okay, when we tell the Gospel and we tell other people about Jesus, we're telling them the truth. Right? We're not telling them a bunch of opinions. So it's important that we don't just base our uh, evangelism on who can give the most convincing argument. Now I want to just confess something for a minute. I, I, I felt that way for the longest time. I thought that, my, that evangelism, that telling someone about Jesus and, and hoping they would respond uh, favorably to that, I thought it all depended on how good I was at it. Right? I, I put all that burden on my shoulders to say, well, if I don't memorize these verses just right, or if I don't memorize this particular uh, evangelistic resource, like a, a track or a, a plan, you know, there's been... Southern Baptists are great about coming up with resources to give churches to, to try to share the gospel. Well, well, here's the thing. I thought, okay, well, if I can memorize it just right and say it just right and don't trip over my words, and I'm very convincing, well, then they'll have to get saved, right? Anybody see a problem with that? It was all about me and how good I could be at this. And, and, and in, in reality, it's not about me at all. It's all about Jesus and the Word of God. Because Jesus is the one who saves. The Holy Spirit is the one who opens somebody's heart. I'm just, I'm just, being, I'm just being used for the glory of God if I'm obedient. Right? So I, I'm, I'm charged with being obedient to tell somebody. But their salvation, listen to me very clearly. This might set somebody free today. Someone else's salvation does not depend on you. Because here's what's happening. If I am disobedient, I don't have the power to send somebody to hell. All right? The gospel is what say hearing the gospel, believing in Jesus, believing the gospel. Jesus is the one who saves. So, so I'm being uh, I'm being uh, blessed to be a part of the equation, right? So all I, what, what happens if I'm disobedient and I don't tell somebody about Jesus when I should, I'm the one who suffers. Do, do we really think for a moment that we are so awesome and so powerful that we can mess up God's plan? No. No. So, so that should free us to know, you know what, I'm just going to be obedient if I mess it up. God's big enough to cover up my mistakes. He's done it, and He did it on the cross. He covered all my mistakes. So I want to quickly look through this passage and these four different things that we should consider to help us understand why it's so important we have faith in Jesus. Number one, consider your conversion. Consider when you got saved. Look at the first five verses here, what Paul says to this church, these churches. He says, why are you so foolish? Who has messed with your mind? You saw, you have understood Jesus was crucified. So then he asked a question in verse 2. He actually asked four questions. And, and they're all uh, related to faith. He says, it was obvious that Jesus was crucified through his teaching, through what they've seen and heard. And so, and when I say obvious, here's what I mean. 
riding down the street and you see something on a billboard that big, that large, that uh, obvious. Jesus and his crucifixion was that obvious. And the word crucified here is, in the Greek grammar, is a, it's an action that was completed in the past, but the significance continues on. And so God is dealing with people by faith. And here's the four questions. How did you receive the Holy Spirit? Was it because you worked hard enough, or was it because you had faith in Christ? How will you be sanctified? In other words, how will you be transformed into the image of Christ? Is it because of what you do? Was because of faith in Christ. Have you suffered for nothing? Look at the text. Verse 4. Did you suffer so many things in vain? In other words, it costs something to stand up for Jesus. You might suffer for your convictions. So did you just suffer for nothing? Because now you've left the truth and now you have went over to this, this false teaching. So was all that suffering you did for the truth of Jesus, was that just of no consequence to you? Because following Jesus by faith brings persecution. And the last question he asks, how does God work? God gave you the Holy Spirit by faith. God performs powerful miracles by faith. So all these things have in common that one element, faith in God. So... Are we going to think, all right, well, how did I get saved? By faith, I believe in Jesus. And I have all my trust is put in Him to save me and forgive me of my sins and take me to heaven. It's all in, it's all in Jesus. My faith is all in so, so if that's the case, then why would I think that things have changed since I got saved? It's almost like, well, I got grandfathered in and then after that everything is different. That's not how it works. What, what does the Bible say in Hebrews? Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Right? He's consistent. So consider your own conversion, Paul says. It's all about faith. Number two, consider Abraham's example. Now this is really important because you've got a lot of Jewish folks and these Judaizers that are the ones responsible for the false teaching, they're all about the Jewish faith. So Paul brings up Abraham. Like you want to talk about Jewish faith? All right, let's talk about Father Abraham, right? So he quotes Genesis 15, and he says, hey, Abraham was justified by faith because he believed God, right? Did you know that happened well, well before the law was introduced? So Abraham was not justified before God because of works. He believed God. That's faith in God. Abraham's belief was counted as righteousness in God's eyes. So it says it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Okay? And so we're, we're talking about Abraham as the example. And the genuine children of Abraham are of faith. So this was a huge thing for these Judaizers. Because you remember what the Pharisees told Jesus when he first came on the scene? Oh, we, we're, we're in the right bloodline. We're in the right family of people. So we're good. We're covered. In other words, uh, we, Abraham's our father, so we don't have to worry about it. We're, we're good. And you remember what Jesus told him? Don't think you're safe just because you're children of Abraham. And he looked at the, 
the stones on the riverbank. He said, God could create children of Abraham out of those stones. That, that's not going to do it. That's not enough. The promise in God's Word, the Scripture is personified here. I love this. It's in verse 8. The Scripture preached the Gospel. And so here, here's what's important about that. This is God's Word. The Scripture preached. In other words, what the Scripture says, God says. Okay, that, that means it has authority. God's Word. The Scripture preached the Gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying all the nations will be blessed in you. All the nations. Well, well guess, guess who that is? All the nations. It's not just Israel. It's all the nations. That, it includes Gentiles. Right? So that means, well, the Gentiles aren't in the right family. How did they get saved? How did you get saved? I'm not a Jew. I got saved by faith in Jesus. Right? I heard the Gospel. And, and I believe the Gospel. I believe in Jesus. I have faith in Jesus. So the message here from Abraham's example, all the way down to verse 9, those who are of faith are blessed with Abraham the believer. Faith like Abraham leads to blessing like Abraham. So that was a, a huge uh, piece of the argument here that Paul's showing them, these Jewish false teachers, that even Abraham, go back to the covenant, Genesis chapter 12, it's the gospel for the nations. Genesis 12, verse 3. All the nations will be blessed in you. So consider your own conversion. Consider Abraham's example. But number three, consider the law's curse. This is, this is important because we've already established from last week, no one will be justified by the law. This is the, the theme of the, of the whole book. Last week we looked at Galatians 2, verse 16. A man is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Christ Jesus. That's the theme here. You're not justified by works, you're justified by faith in Christ Jesus. So consider the law's curse. The Bible, and here's what's cool about this. You know that devout Jews do not believe the New Testament. Right? Because they don't believe Jesus is the Messiah. They're still waiting. In vain. They're waiting. Okay? So what do you think would have more of an impact on a Jew who's hearing this, something from the New Testament church that Paul is working through here? Because, you know, these things are just being written. But, or, or something from the Old Testament, which they hold on to so dearly. The Old Testament makes a big impact. So look what Paul does here from verse 10 to verse 12. He quotes the Old Testament. He quotes uh, the Mosaic Law. He quotes the Prophets. He says, anyone who doesn't keep the whole law is cursed. And he quotes Deuteronomy chapter 27 and verse 26. Cursed is everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law to perform them. So verse 10, he's quoting Deuteronomy. And you know, when, when you talk about the law of Moses, that's like bedrock truth for, for Jewish folks. So that's, you can't mess with that. And so he uses that against them. He said... Oh, did you forget this part? That if you don't do everything in the law, you're cursed. So, hate that for you. 
Thought you were safe because you're children of Abraham. That's not how it works. No one is justified by the law, but the righteous man will live by faith. Now he's quoting one of the minor prophets, Habakkuk. Chapter 2 and verse 4 says that precisely, the righteous man shall live by faith in verse 11. And then in verse 12, law and faith are mutually exclusive as methods of justification. So what does that mean? It means you can't have it both ways. Either you are justified by works of the law entirely, or you are justified by faith in Christ entirely. But it's not a mix and match. It's either all or nothing. Right? So what does he quote now? He quotes the Levitical law. Leviticus chapter 18 and verse 5. In verse 13, he says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. I'm sorry, I'm one verse ahead. Verse 12. The law is not a faith. On the contrary, he who practices them shall live by them. That's Leviticus chapter 18 and verse 5. So he's quoting the law itself to demonstrate his point. And you remember how he's already done this, right? Who did he have with him? We, we met these two guys in chapter 2. Titus and Barnabas, right? You remember who Titus was? Titus was the Christian Greek the Gentile, right? So, what's he going to do? How, how, they, they wanted him to be circumcised to prove that he was saved. And he's like, no, no, I got Jesus. I'm good. I got Jesus. And that was the whole point. Titus was not compelled to submit to the demands of the law because he was covered by Christ. And that was more than enough. He also preached the same thing in Acts chapter 17, when the, the Sermon on Mars Hill, when he was in Athens. If you remember, he, he looked around the city and he saw all the idols, remember? And so he used that. He said, you've even got one over here to the unknown God. Well, let me introduce you to the unknown God. His name's Jesus. And he proceeded to preach the gospel to all these people. And he said that God has fixed a day where He will judge all the living and the dead, but by a man whom He has appointed, and He's furnished proof, you can read this in Acts 17, but He's furnished proof by raising Him from the dead. Jesus is going to be the standard. In other words, it's not all these laws that you've come up, you know, because the Pharisees were real good at, uh, here's the law of God, now let's put all these other laws around that law, and it's not what God said, but we said it, and it seems good, so let's give that the same authority. That's what they did. They were real good at telling other people what they ought to be doing. And so the conclusion of this uh, curse of the law is that the law cannot justify, it can only condemn you. All, and, and do you realize that was really the kind of the whole point of why we got it? Right? When, when God kept calling people to himself. And then he called Abraham and blessed him, said all the nations of the world will be blessed through you. And, and he made that covenant. Then when the law came later, do you know why? Do you know why there's an Old Testament sacrificial system? All those things that they had to do. Remember, if you read the Old Testament, you've got to build the temple just this way. 
The tabernacle's got to be just like this, you know, precise, right? Everything was just so, and if you go in there, the high priest has to do it this way, you'd be cleansed, all this, all those different regulations, right? Like, who can do all that? That's kind of the point. That, that was the whole point of the law. There's no way you can do this without Jesus. It's impossible. And then God says, now, here's Jesus. So it's not as if God said, there's no way you can do it on your own. Sorry. And then He left. He said, there's no way you can do it on your own. Here's the solution. Come to Me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. In Jesus. And, and that's what He did. So this, this law was just meant to demonstrate the point. Show the curse and, and point us to Jesus. The last thing, consider Christ's redemption. This is the, the culmination of the argument at this point. Verse 13 and verse 14. And Paul would say this a little bit differently in his letter to the Corinthian church. And it's a very familiar verse. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21. He made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. It's a great exchange. Jesus became our curse so He could give us His righteousness. Remember last week, the name of the, the title of the sermon was He's Not Looking at You. This is why. Jesus became our sin. He took the curse on Himself so that when God looks at us, He now doesn't see our terrible sinfulness. He sees the righteousness of Christ. Because He shielded us from all the wrath of God. He became the curse. So when you read verse 13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law having become a curse for us. And he quotes the Old Testament yet again. Deuteronomy chapter 21 and verse 23. Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. He took our place. When you hear the word uh, substitution, this is the best example ever of that. Jesus literally took our place on the cross. It's not just a quaint gesture to talk about. This is a literal, historical fact. Jesus didn't just forgive our sins. He took our sins. Do you remember what we just sang a moment ago? He took my sins and my sorrows and He made them His very own. The one who had no sin became sin for us. You want to know why the refrain of that hymn? How marvelous! How wonderful! It's like we can't even comprehend anything that would compare to that depth of love. He, he 
became our curse. And verse 14 tells us why. What was the purpose of Christ in redemption? So the blessing of Abraham would come not just to Israel, but to the nations. To the nations. That's, that's why you get to Revelation chapter 5 and chapter 7 and you see this scene in heaven and you hear this song, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. He ransomed people for God from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. Not just the Jewish remnant, but people from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. All nations of the world will be blessed. So the blessing of Abraham came to the nations in the person and the work of Christ. So that we might receive the promise of of the Spirit, it says there in verse 14. But how, how does that happen? Look at the last two words of verse 14. Through faith. By faith in Christ. What did Paul write to the Ephesians? It is by grace you're saved through faith. Not of yourselves. Not by works. It's the gift of God. So nobody gets to brag. If anybody were to brag it would be Jesus because he did it all so here's the words in these last two statements the blessing of Abraham in Christ Jesus the promise of the spirit through faith so what does that mean to us and what is the application of that very simply here it is the only way that we are justified before God is through faith in Jesus Christ. There, there, there just simply is no plan B. If you want to be right with God, it's by faith in Christ. So what does that mean for us practically? Here's what it means. Our task as Christians, as Christian churches, is to make disciples of all nations. Take the gospel everywhere. Share the gospel, and as people are saved, make disciples of new Christians, right? So, so if, this is, if this is true, and it is, if justification is only through faith in Christ Jesus... What does that mean for me individually when I tell somebody about Jesus? What's my job? Be faithfully obedient to open my mouth and share the truth of the gospel. Pray that people's hearts and minds would be open and receptive. But, but the only thing we are responsible for before God is to tell the story of Christ. Jesus saves. And, and if, if we are obedient and we will share, we don't have to get it. I mean, I, I, was, I, I tried to read the... I messed up a, a word or two just reading the Scripture this morning. Okay? 
You know what that reminds me? I'm a, a very low, um, worthless sinner. And I mess stuff up. It doesn't matter how, how much I've read or how much I've studied or how much I've prayed or how much I've rehearsed over things to try to do them just right. I'm going to mess up. But guess what? Jesus knows that. And He can handle it. So we just open our mouths and we tell people about Jesus. And we do it in a, a spirit of love and kindness, not of judgment and condescension. We love people to Jesus. And Jesus saves. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to this message from God's Word. For more information on Berlin Baptist Church, we invite you to explore our website at www.berlinchurchsc.org.